fly list. No fly list. As far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you're on that list, that list, list. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI, FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey everyone, welcome to the No Fly List, where we talk to comedians, artists, and other interesting people of color. I'm Athir. I'm a mama. And today we had a really awesome guest, which I am super excited for you guys to hear. Um, she is a singer, songwriter, uh, podcaster. She's really a renaissance woman. She's done it all. Um, she's actually one of the first podcasters ever. So, um, you know, she's someone that I think everyone in the podcast community, all comedians really look up to, and she's just all around a really awesome person. Um, and this was such a great episode that we recorded like 10,000 years ago. Um, so <laughs> before- <laughs> we really did. It's been forever. I think it's been, I feel like it's been what, a few months now. Yeah, so I think we went on hiatus after when the protests started, because um, probably wasn't the best time to be like, hey, listen to my podcast. <laughs> Especially like two brown women, we had to support the movement no matter what. So I think for, and it's like a really good time for like reflection and figuring out like how I can just be a better person. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I needed that time away and I'm glad that we took that time. Um, and then also it was summer. So on top of that, there's just so much going on with like coming back to New York. You came back to New York. That's a crazy thing. I know. I never thought I would see you again <laughs> and see yeah. and see your kitchen we- live now that I'm seeing it <laughs> always in Zoom. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm going to see you tonight, which I'm super uh, stoked about too. Same. I'm so grateful. Like the last episode we recorded, I was just on my couch and you were like, maybe I'll come back soon. And then you did. And now we get to hang out. Um, um, don't worry, Athir's one of the 10 people I'm allowed to hang out with. Yeah, yeah, we're being safe, you guys. Uh, we're, we're being socially distant. And I think we should also tell people our live show is back. So we're in full swing, baby. Yeah, and it's an amazing. We had our first live show um, about a week ago. And it was the most fun I've had all year. We had an amazing lineup, um, a nice little fire pit. Which, Which I burned my knee on. I don't know if I told you. You that. burned your knee on the fire pit. Yeah, I got a second degree burn that night. I didn't tell anybody. I got too close to the fire pit, and well, that's because that's embarrassing. Because <laughs> we were wearing like shorts, and then I was trying to warm up in this like freezing weather at night, and then I got way too close to the fire pit, and it like touched the metal part that was like in, in, you know encasing it, and then I was like, oh man, that kind of hurt. But then when I got home, I realized it was like a second degree burn that just started blistering and like bubbling up. It was, it's still there. Oh my it's God. still, yeah. So I'm going to be careful for our next show, which is happening October 3rd, Saturday. We have, um, you know, follow us on Instagram. There's a that bright that you'll see. Um, so I, I can't we believe- sell out really fast. We sold out the last show almost in like, like two or three days. Yeah. Our capacity is um, about three and a half people. So we'll get on the tickets yeah. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah. We have like, so if you do want to buy tickets, which you should, cause our lineup is absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, I think we have like, what, like 15 to 20 tickets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's such a good time. Plus you get to see us live. Yes. And I think that's the best present of all. Exactly. Exactly. There's really no price you can put on that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I feel like this whole, it's been such a great, like such a terrible year, but such a great last few weeks. Cause I've got to be like around you and I'm so grateful for that me too um, this is just a love fest of me and a mama just like yeah. recording we forgot our intro I was like how do you how, what do we start off by saying it's been a while now <laughs> we literally had to listen to the intro again that's that's how long it's been I was like one second yeah but I'm, I was like I love our theme music I forgot about this <laughs> I know I'm so glad that um you know we're we're doing the live show again and that we're you know back to recording and you know, super excited to share all the amazing guests that we've had. Um, and I don't know what, what else have, have you been up to that the listeners, uh, would like to hear about a mama? Let's see. I, I 
for a while I, I went to I was doing a lot of like um, reading finally, and I don't read. So if you're listening, uh, I really don't read. I, I cheated. Really I download audiobooks. <laughs> I, I, See, I should do that. I just get I get so anxious when I'm reading like a good book, and I'm like, what's gonna happen? And I spoil it for myself. This is what I do in scary movies too. Like I can't I can't sit and just wait for things to happen. And this is why I'm, I'm so crazy. <laughs> I like I'm like, what's the ending? Um, so that's I I'm just proud of myself because I really did not read a book all year even good during like, the height of the pandemic Def- and this summer I was like sure I was saying good for you for not reading a book all year <laughs> <laughs> oh man I I know I just feel um over- well I guess I've had a lot of life changes I quit my corporate job yeah love yeah, that so I'm, I'm so proud of yay! you yay so now I'm free I uh ish I mean there's still a lot of other work to be done um but it's cool. That's a huge step. And we had talked about this on an episode with Noor when she had quit her corporate job. Yes. And you're, you're doing it and you're doing it during this like really unsure time. And I think that takes a lot of risk and bravery. And I'm so proud of you for that. Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, you know, everything is shit. We might as well try to now revamp our lives if we can. I am fortunate yeah. that I was in a position where I could do that. But it's something I've been trying to kind of do for a while. So I'm glad I made it happen. Um, another thing, oh, let's talk about our, uh, no fly list, no fly list person or oh my people. God, yes, let's, it's a person. It's a specific it's person. specific person. Mind, if you're listening, we are going to call you out by name. No, um, no, <laughs> um, yeah, the no fly list, no fly list person, um, is every indecisive man, uh, who broke my heart this summer <laughs> and, and that was two so both of them are not allowed to travel anywhere exactly. i will make sure of that i mean i mean none of us are really allowed to travel but spe- especially these people and for those of you who don't know the no fly list no fly list is our shit list it's people who actually should belong on the no fly list um and then i think this has been the summer of just like what shitty men or it's just been the year of shitty men who, the, the decade it's been like it's been what, like a hundred years, two hundred, three hundred yeah. years. When was how long has Earth been around? Um, yeah. Let's start with Adam. Let's put him on the no fly list. Oh my God, let's do that. Yeah, I'm glad none of these guys were named Adam because then they would be that would be great. <laughs> that would be perfect. Um, we don't know; they may or may not be. That's Adam's true. out I can't there. Say, um, but you know what though? I feel like. During a summer where the world feels like it's ending and for someone to just still be like, hmm, I'm not sure what I want is really strange. Stay away from people like that. Like, you should know what you want. We have, what, at best five years left? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. That's being optimistic. No, and that's what I love about Hamda. She's such a badass. Uh, So, okay, did I not even say the name of our guest? (laughs) Hamda. She's, you know, she doesn't need a last name. She's like, share. She's like, amazing. (laughs) So I was so stoked that she was so excited to be on here. She was so awesome. And then she gave really practical advice also about not like putting up with shitty men. I think she's just like been through enough and lived through, like lived in New York her whole life that she's like, I'm not going to deal with this bullshit. So I love that about her. And she also wrote a book about um, like relationship questions. So like she just had a lot of really solid advice not only about men but also about like the the pressure that we face as middle eastern and brown women to be married and to not focus on career and how to deal with families who are really like just focused on being like no this is your right path not whatever you want yeah like when she was talking about her mom and all the stuff that you know her conservative parents would like not want her to do after like immigrating here to new york and being like you know don't want her to like, you know, go on tour and dance and sing and pursue like an artistic career. I mean, and you know, all the, the arranged marriage stuff, we're trying to even like set her up with somebody. And I'm like, Oh my God, no matter what culture, like it's our mom. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, whatever. Um, but I think that culture, uh, our cultures are are very similar and they, they overlap a lot. Yeah. Honestly, it's such a great episode and I'm so excited for everyone to listen to it. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Thank you for being here. Hamda. Did I say it right? <laughs> yeah, you said it great. Thank you for having me. How are you guys? I put it good. I put an extra ha in there for you. Yes. You know, <laughs> we get it. 
<laughs> it's so nice to meet you. It's good or, to meet you too. Or Zoom meet you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real life meet at this point. Yep. Yeah. I know. I had like heard about you forever ago, Hamda. I mean. I remember listening to you on Mark Maron's podcast, mm. and then do you remember we we ran into each other in the bathroom of a show? Uh, it was I think uh, too many oh, cooks. Yes, at in Lucky the basement. Jack's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, you, someone when I when I was doing like my Arab jokes, you were laughing, and I was like, who is that? That one Arab? And then like I go in the bathroom, and then you come out of the stall, and I was like, oh my god, is that Hamda? And then. We started talking, and then I was, like, fangirling you, and you were like, come on the show, and I was like, oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> well, I was fangirling you. I think you're hilarious. Oh, thank you. I like what you've done with your closet. <laughs> it's it's actually a studio apartment that I, uh, there's a loft built here, and then a, a, a walk-in closet just because we closed off some of the space to the living room, but it's working out. It's like a perfect studio I'm I'm like with four roommates or three roommates and just we're just trying to figure out the Wi-Fi situation. <laughs> you guys are married now. I don't know if you know. That's pandemic rules. So you're a family. Two one of them two of them are dating, so I'm just like the third wheel. I'm like, Oh, do you guys want to like also watch a movie with me and cook me dinner? It's really fun. It's cute. <laughs> I like that. I would absolutely do that and I would insert myself into their snuggling or at least try. I'm like, look, man. <laughs> We're in this together. You can't deny it. You can't leave. So we have no options. I mean, consent all the way, but uh, yes. Yeah, we're sister wives. I have three roommates now, and they are my parents and brother. And uh, let me tell you, it's. I hope we're not married now. That'd be weird. But I am in Alabama, so I guess it wouldn't be that weird. It's. It's. This is the longest I've spent. Yeah. Shout out to Alabama. This is the longest I've been home since I was 21. I've not spent this much time at home. And uh, it's a real testament to family or people, let me tell you. How is it quarantining with someone? It is. It's actually really nice. I know that, um, you know, at first I, and I wrote this on Facebook, the first three days of the pandemic, I didn't even know this, but I went through something where I couldn't. We, we slept a lot and we couldn't really wrap our minds around it. And then on the fourth day, I was like, we're starting a schedule because this schedule is going to keep us sane. We are in the same room. We love each other very much, but people start picking on each other and they start, you know, changing their sleep schedule and doing all this stuff that is going to destroy our personal selves, you know? So we got on a schedule and um, we did, <laughs> so four days of work and one day off that I call lover day that we're just like not looking at devices. <laughs> we're focusing on making sure that we are, because we're together all the time, it seems like we're together, but this will be like, a, we're spending time together. We're on a date. Um, we're not doing that distraction stuff. So it's, it's been, it's been good. I think a lot because of that. What are some dates that you guys have gone on? Like real life dates or pandemic dates? Pandemic dates. Pandemic <laughs> dates. Well, I have a, um, a, a a massage table. So we'll pick like, you know, some days are my days. So I'll be like, well, I want you to cook this food. I want to have a massage. I want, you know, um, maybe he'll want to walk or, you know, I'll massage him. There's not really much that we can do. So there's a lot of cooking, pampering, and also just laying around playing poker together online. Like I try not to feel guilty about that, but I'm just like, this is a date. This is a date. Everything's a date because we can't be too picky. That's so sweet though. I like having like a, you know, a set schedule. Like you sound like me, like I'm very like type A. I'm like, this is what we're doing, but it sounds like in a very healthy way because you're right. If you're stuck together, and tight quarters like people go a little stir crazy and it's good that you're simulating like normalcy by having like your own schedule and like own time because I feel like people are either going to come out of this like stronger or divorce like I don't know it definitely accelerates your relationship like if you didn't like what how that person ate you're now eating three meals with them. Like a thing that you can tolerate where, because you get breaks and you watch other people eat. Now you're just watching this person eat. They better eat with their mouth closed. 
I, I had to make a schedule only because I started drinking so early the first few days of the pandemic because I was like, what is happening? Um, so then I like slowly, like I used to be a teacher, so I like scaffolded my drinking schedule very much being like, all right, you can start on noon on one day. And then after that, you start at five, then you start at eight, and then you just stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work? Well, I'm drinking now, so it's it's not eight. <laughs> it, I did I stopped drinking at noon, so that worked. Okay. So you've been in New York for a, a while, though, right, Hamda? Like I grew up here. I was born in Israel, but raised. Um, I I got here when I was four. Um, so I'm very much a New Yorker, but I speak Hebrew and I read and write, and I was surrounded by a lot of speak people who spoke Hebrew and my parents spoke Hebrew to me. Eventually I just spoke English back and that became our relationship. But because <laughs> I heard it a lot, I could still understand it and speak it. I sound like an idiot to myself sometimes and I need practice and I have no one to practice with. So I get a little embarrassed trying to speak Hebrew, but it's in there. At least you know another language. That's that's always helpful. Did your parents... So are they originally from Iraq, like your grandparents or like ancestors? Yeah. My maternal grandparents were born and raised in Iraq and moved to Israel. So my mom was born and raised there. But my father was born and raised in Iran. And as an adult moved to Israel, they met. And then as parents of three kids from age ranging six to one, they moved to the United States without even knowing the language, which, you know, and you guys know this in like these households where they're very old school, they're like, you know, this is such a big deal. And they, they came here for you and you have to do everything right, but don't be too American, but definitely Mm -hmm. you live here now. So there's this whole like cultural fight within the household because you're first generation. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I was in ESL for like two years because my mom was like, you can't learn English. You'll, you're learning in school, which was smart and which was true. But then after that, she was like, also, you can't like participate in Halloween and birthdays and the way that they do it. And like, obviously now, now that I do this, she's like fine and she's eased up, but it took a while. It took like years and years of like fighting and yeah. It's funny what we fight about, and it's funny what my parents called insults. Like, if I got too, uh, I guess, assimilated in whatever way they consider assimilated, which is really just living in New York for me because I grew up here, they'd be like, oh, look who found America. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) My parents would always accuse me of being too Americanized. I'm like, I'm American. What do you want me to do? And it would be an insult. It would be like, look at her. Like, she's so Americanized. Yeah. It's, so it's kind it's of- an odd insult because you're like, e- should I be, should I start being insulted now? Or I don't, I don't know what you're insulting me about. Or they, they'd be like in Hebrew, they'd say, uh, children of McDonald's. Like when we had no taste, it was like <laughs> McDonald's. That's pretty accurate yeah. for America. <laughs> but they wouldn't Wait, let us I love McDonald's. that McDonald's. <laughs> I love that that's an insult, too, because when I was in, I went to Pakistan a few years ago, and some woman was like, oh, yeah, we go to the McDonald's here, and she was, like, really wealthy, and my mom, without a beat, was like, McDonald's is shit food in America. (laughs) That's what we think of it. I was like, oh. Yeah, it's very fun when they chime in on things, like, oh, I guess you needed to say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) needed to know that. Thank you very much. This is not embarrassing at all. So you used to be a songwriter and singer, or do you still do do that in addition to podcasting and writing books and just being an artist in general? Like, what was... What was their impression after that? How did you break it to them? They were so sad about it. They, um, I didn't even like really break it to them. I was just, you know, participating less and less in the discussion as I became myself because I knew that this was not what they wanted. I wasn't dating Jewish men necessarily. Um, I lived a life where, like, when I said I was moving out, they got so angry. My mother was trying to change my mind about it. I had to, there was a fight on the way out. It was very escalated. My father kicked the door of the person of a friend of mine who came to help me move and like dented his car. Like they got, and I was turning 21 in a day. So 
I don't I don't like telling that to American people because they're like you're old like you're still in the house but to them it was no yeah who's going to marry this whore who like you're not married so you have mm-hmm. yeah this is and then until two, you're married you don't move yeah. out right and then when two about 2 weeks later they were having the family over for a big dinner so I don't remember if it was a holiday or what but um they they didn't talk to me until then, and then they said, "Well, of course you're coming today. You're not telling anyone that you moved out, and um, you know you're not telling anyone that we didn't speak to you for two weeks. Everything has to seem normal." And I was like, "You know, I I used to agree to this because what's my choice here? But I, I just always wondered, what's your end game? Like, just forever you lie to the people that you always hang out with and you know you love, and this is your family. So what are we doing here?" It was a lot of that kind of weird fighting where if you tell someone whose parents have been here for a while, they don't even know what the fight is. Like, what are you fighting about? Their parents are like, yes, leave, empty nest, we'll go through it, and then we'll be friends, you know? We'll tell each other things and not freak out about it somehow. <laughs> no, that only happens if you're married. There's no in-between. Like, you can talk to your parents about cool things once they're like, okay, you have a husband. That's amazing. Right, right. I mean, I remember when my mother uh, realized that I had a boyfriend and was sleeping with him because it was so, I was an adult already in their house. And she was like, this guy's taking advantage of you, blah, blah, blah. And granted, he probably was. He was 27. I was 19. That's besides the point. (laughs) (laughs) The point is that I was like, you know, this isn't the first guy I slept with. And she just needed, she clutched her pearls. She needed to sit down. And she was like, whoa, how does it feel to have slept with more men than me. And I was like, mom, you slept with dad. Like I can't compete with this. Yeah, <laughs> what an odd reaction. We oh my God. That would like kind of skeeve me out. I was like, ah, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. And I, you know, and I only told her it was like, he's not the first. I think he was like the third or something. It was totally a normal experience as an adult in their late teens. But it was just, it was just, ah, everybody's trying to get to you because you're a princess and we have the best family and they're all going to try to marry you. And I'm like, yeah, that's the world out there. Uh-huh. Anything else you want to share that is not happening at all out here? How'd your mom find out that you guys were sleeping together? Well, I stopped hiding. You know, I was an adult, so I was not coming home at night. Uh I might have I might have smelled different to be honest and gross, you know. I mean it was I think that if you're in tune with your kids, you know that they're they have a sex life. You're you feel different once you're doing that kind of activity. Even when you're younger, it kind of changes the way you interact with people. It it adultifies you in a way. I'm not saying you become an adult because you sleep with someone, but it is a very adult act to do, even when you're doing it when you're younger than adulthood. Now, Muslim parents are total deniers of everything. Like, my parents think I'm an angel who's never even, like, probably, like, held a guy's hand or locked eyes. (laughs) No, I mean, they're not that naive, but, like, almost. (laughs) And my mom was, like, we were recently talking, and she's, like, like, kind of joking about, like, or by not joking about finding me someone. I was, like, dude, you don't know me. And she's, like, I do. I do know you. I was, like, no, no. You do not know me. I was like, I would let one of my friends maybe send me. Like, she thinks I'm against the whole idea of getting set up. I'm like, no, no, I'm against you and your friends setting me up because you have no clue what I want. Yes. I've had this conversation with my mother. She used to try to set me up. This is, you know, the decades. At this point, we're not speaking and it's over for them. But um, <laughs> she would say, like, you know, this isn't fair. You know, if your friend wanted to hook you up and I'm like, Hey, no, if my friend wanted to hook me up, not really, but if my friend wanted to hook me up, they would know a little bit about me and be able to assess why I would like that person. I tell you what, because they used to be like, my friend wants to hook you up. I'm like, your friend has a guy that they know that's exactly my age. And that's the only fucking prerequisite. And so what I'm going to do for you right now is I'm going to say, I will go on whatever date you want me to go on. If you tell me, what that person knows about me. Name <laughs> one hobby that I have, one thing that I like, my favorite color, anything, and I will go on whatever date you want. And uh, it that helped shut it down for a little while. So no one Googled you or uh, tried to find out facts about you? And <laughs> This like... this might have been before that. And you know what? No, they haven't Googled me because they don't know what I do for a living. They don't know anything that has gone on in my life. They talk about... 
you know, uh, just kind of creating this, you don't know me. And they basically create a story in their head. And if, mm-hmm. if my life or their life doesn't go in that story, they still have that story and are telling that story both to outsiders and themselves. And I can't participate in that because I'm not going to keep track of this story that's supposed to happen while my life is happening. Yeah, that's that's like a an area where like my mom does the same thing where she like tells everyone a certain thing and then to me she's just like, Okay, so like here are all these people that fit my mold of what you can be and it's just I was telling Athea this, um, I've been like arranged married setup this past year and I did it because I was like, Oh, this will be a fun experience. And then I was just upset because I was like, my mom's hooking me up with the grossest guys. Like, they're not even cute and they're boring. Like, this is the worst possible scenario right now. Um, It's basically them looking around and going, he's, you know, I decided he's heterosexual, first of all. (laughs) And second, he's about in your grade, even though you're in your 20s, 30s, whatever age. (laughs) So... You know, and also, like, you know, you get to a certain age and people start telling you how, like, only the losers are not married. But then you're trying to set me up with those losers. So stop. <laughs> Can't we just have coffee? My God. I know. Stop. And my mom will try to insert, like, anything related to, like, what I do. Like, she's like, oh, well, you you do the comedy thing. This guy writes poetry. Like, how about that, huh? Or he's a journalist. Or I'm like... Like, she just tries to insert some sort of, like, non-traditional thing that might, like, pique mm-hmm. my interest. I'm like, oh, okay, in that case, yeah, let me, let me That's get sweet, a, though. A, a Fabi po- I mean, it's, it's kind of sweet, but it's also, like, you don't know me. That's true. <laughs> but it is well-intentioned. And it's always, it, it's always manipulative. It's always, like, okay, oh, did you find, oh, Sherlock Holmes found a piece of information about me. <laughs> I'm a comic. This is the most basic thing that you can find out about me. But yes, I'm grateful that you know this little about me. Thank you so much. Because my parents won't even answer the questions of what diseases they've had when the doctor asked. I'm like, listen, I got to know, does dad have diabetes or not? And my mom's like, shh, let's not, let's not talk about that. Like, we, I didn't call you to talk about negative things. I'm like, well, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, that is so spot Some on. Negative stuff. That is, is abs- That is literally my mom. I had to get surgery, and she was like, "I was like, I need to tell the doctor everything," and she was like, "No, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> like, just tell them that it was past history." And I was like, "This doesn't make sense. This is awful." Or everything is self-diagnosed, and my family's like, "Yeah, I have high blood pressure or whatever," and it's like, "Wait, did you get that diagnosed?" Or like, everyone's self-diagnosed with anxiety. Like, no one actually like goes to like the proper specialist or doctor. They're just like, "Yeah, yeah, this." How is about what I this? Do. Beyond that, I don't know of any doctors in my family. I'm sure there are, but there, I assume that they have shaman-like abilities because <laughs> they'll bring me to my uncle when my ankle hurt. And he, like, pulled it out. Granted, yes, it felt better and he did the right thing, but you psychopath. And then the other thing, that that's actually a good thing. He he knew how to do that. But the, uh, my elbow hurt. I don't know, something hurt. And they were like, did you put raw egg on it? I'm like, <laughs> okay. First, don't talk to me like that's a normal sentence to say. And second, I know you're about to, so just do it. And they just put raw egg on my arm or whatever and... I was like, yep, totally working. Yes, thank you very much. Well, um, Hamda, I w- I'm glad you're here, and uh, you already started us off by talking about like what makes a good, healthy relationship and staying sane during the pandemic. And we actually have a dating segment called Fifty Shades of Brown, where we have people write in their dating questions. It's usually like other people of color. Um, so, are you ready to answer answer a question for us? help the people out there who are single or with people and quarantining and could use your help. (laughs) Okay. So this question came to us uh, from a woman. She says, how do you know if a guy is interested, if he takes a while to respond to messages, is he playing games or is that just how he is? First of all, you're already in a game. Why is anything a mystery? Especially this soon. What's the mystery? Are you throwing out mysteries to him? Are we living in a novel? It's, you know, (laughs) sometimes people are telling you what they're telling you. 
and you know he can say he's very interested and he's busy we're all busy at some point you take a shit you have your phone don't check twitter text me back i don't know prioritize your time (laughs) like i know that you hit like on a facebook post you could have said hey thanks for the text whatever the hell so you don't have time you're not prioritizing me it's not my favorite answer. It's not my favorite, you know, diagnosis of this. But why are we diagnosing? Why are we, what could this mean? Mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean? What could it mean? Why is that a question? You know, unfortunately. And it's because of like, we've watched movies our whole life where there's a montage of some dude getting his shit together. And we were, you know, we believed in him this whole time. So we're the, we get to have that prize of like this new person who changed their life. And, you know, it's because we put that on them. Like we knew you could do it. No, I know that you could do what you do. So what are you doing? Don't fill it in. I agree with that a hundred percent. I agree with that. I mean, I think we've all, or at least I have fallen victim to that. I'd be like, oh, this person is just whatever. They're busy or I'm like, I need to be chill. First of all, I'm tired. It doesn't mean I'm not chill if someone is just like not communicating like a normal human. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't take long at all to respond to a text. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not into the game playing too. So now I'm way more aware of it. If they're doing it from the beginning, I'm just like, I'm not into this. I'm not. I'm not even going to entertain this. And it's true. Like, there's your answer. If you have to question it, then that's probably your answer. Like, I, why do we all have to be, yeah, deciphering this and trying to, like, analyze a text and what's a period? Like, what does this mean? It's just, it's frustrating. And, like, it feels juvenile, too, at, at this point. But grown men still do it. And it's, it is frustrating. But I feel... I don't know. Then I've had other women, you know, tell me, well, he doesn't owe you anything. And then... What does he owe? What is it, that expecting too much? I was going to say, it's like common courtesy to just respond back as simple and, or just being honest about how you feel. Because then, or else like women especially make all these excuses for themselves, like things that they shouldn't be saying, like, oh, I'm not being crazy. But it's like, of course you're not being crazy. Like you're being made to feel crazy. And that's not someone you should be with if you're constantly like, what's going on? Like, why is me responding? There's a gauge, like gauge what you're asking for. What are you asking for? A text back in how many days? Do you think that's reasonable? Are you able to do that? If you're excited about someone, do you not look for that text? It's a bummer because they're not looking for your text and they might have more options just because sometimes dudes do, or they might just be dipping in for a rainy day. Sorry that that's you, but it's us all the time. It's just what you have to decipher, but it's just a bummer when you think about it. That's all it is. It's a bummer and next. Yeah. I I agree with that. Move on. Move on, person. (laughs) And what are you moving on from? A person who doesn't text you? Okay, that won't be hard. (laughs) Unless you're me and I'm like, okay, here are all the reasons (laughs) that he might not have been texting. No, I'm kidding. Don't text someone who's not texting you back. It's just, it's shitty. Have either of you had a situation where they, in the beginning of the, the courtship, they're a little bit less responsive? Maybe they're actually trying to play it cool and then as you get closer or more monogamous, then the texting becomes more, you know, back and forth or they respond in a, um, in a much faster manner. Like, has that ever happened where the communication has gotten better as the relationship has, has gotten closer? I don't, maybe a normal amount, but I think it's like any other relationship where I might be excited to like about a a non-sexual relationship. Like I met you, I got excited. I told you I got excited. I told you the parameters in which I got excited and like how I want to connect with you in the future. This isn't, you know, it's a vulnerability, but it's what you're looking for. But I have the opposite problem where I like the love bombing. So I fall for the narcissist. So it's more like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. So I have to watch out for this feels so good. And like, I'm princess. I'm the best. They get all my jokes. Like we have so much fun together. They want to spend more time with me. I, I'm, you know, whatever. I have a free night. So I have to more watch out for that. Yeah, I I get into that a lot, too. I also realize that, like, usually in the beginning, um, it will be, yeah, it's it's love bombing. It's a lot. And then as I start to show more and more interest, it just starts to wane. But I also wonder if it's me just giving up so much for someone who cares half as much. 
it's all like a weird math problem, you know, it's, uh, it's pre-cal, it's, it's serious <laughs> stuff, but, but it should add up, you know what I mean? And, and you should, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so you should be in the, to me. It's, it is, but you should, you should be in the class that you want. If you want a, you know, a puzzle, I don't know. Why? You don't have enough puzzles? You can't, you know, you're a puzzle. Go figure yourself out. You're bored. What can you do? Was there like a moment where when you were with a particular person (laughs) that you were like, all right, like after this person, like, I don't want to go back into these patterns. Because for me, I can pinpoint a few people who've really made me like change the way I approach either dating or relationships. But I don't know if you had that moment. After every relationship i'm like what happened (laughs) where was i you know because i always feel present and social and active and you know i i didn't dawn on me that i lost myself in my last relationship not the one that i'm in now i was in a nine-year what i figured out was an abusive relationship um which it, it was just a lot of gaslighting which i think you know, it's very difficult for me to say I, I was in an abusive relationship, but I think gaslighting on its own is pretty abusive because it really mm-hmm. did start making my mind crazy. And I, it's very difficult to all of a sudden wake up and go, oh my God, this whole thing was sort of planned. This whole thing was sort of a manipulation. And I was in an entire different relationship that I thought I was in. And this is mm-hmm. with you know, looking things up, finding out how to be happy, going to meetings, you know, therapizing in several different ways. But after that relationship, I decided that I need a little more extreme. I took a year off of dating, sex, um, flirting, kissing, anything so that I can recalibrate and I can take time. And uh, it was good because, I, you know, you start to notice like the people... I go to Al-Anon. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but so, um, and (laughs) there's like this thing I heard there where if I like you, you probably need to go to a meeting, meaning like (laughs) you're, you're just, you're probably an addict. You're probably in a little bit of your addict state, not like full blown. So I find that exciting. I find that appealing. They're usually funny, charismatic, brilliant. Um, yes. But also manipulative, and, and so you gotta and watch toxic, out. Mm-hmm. And, but it feels good at first, and oh my god, I've I've been the same way. Like I've had a relationship where, yeah, I started looking up stuff, and I was like, oh my god, this is a, abusive, or a neglect is also, you know, traumatizing. And where therapists use the word trauma with me, and I'm like, come on, like this is not traumatic, or this is an abuse. But even like apparently giving the silent treatment, which like other like friends of mine told me about there's others like as I got really deep in the subreddits apparently that's a form (laughs) of like abuse and manipulation and you're just like whoa like this really goes like a really long way and then I and I learned about the love bombing and all of the narcissistic like narcissistic supply and they just use you to like keep you kind of reeling in and then there's like I I literally I went crazy like I have like this is how type A I am. I created a Google Doc with all of these things <laughs> of because I needed to remember why yes. I left because I needed to know that I needed to give it a name. I needed to pathologize it in order for it to make sense to me instead of me like making excuses. It was like in black and white. I looked back on on it the other day because I was just feeling sad about something and looking back on a relationship. And then I like had citations. It's, a, it's like a research paper. <laughs> But I love helpful. that. Yeah, it is helpful because um, they confuse you so much. You actually don't know. Uh, you don't know where your instincts are. You don't know how to trust your instincts because your instincts have been telling you that somebody's lying to you. But the relationship has been talking in a, a dialogue that they're on your side. And so for a long time, you were being, this, this is a thief and you were being stolen from. And so... You know, the way I found out is I started looking through his electronic stuff, his email, his texts. Um, I found him on dating apps. I found him on Craigslist. Um, It was a nightmare. And, you know, uh, looking back, of course, there are hints and clues and stuff. But, you know, and I would say things like, hey, if you need before I even knew, 
if you need something else, I just need to know. I need to like live in this truth that was promised to me. And he's like, no, things are fine, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he's having all this side stuff happen. So how do you go out there and have a whole other life and come back and tell me completely different stories? I don't know. I can't. I have to, like you said, I have to remember that. I have to remember that some people are like that. Because we try to rationalize it with our rational mind and they don't have a rational mindset. So you'll just go crazy trying to rationalize their rational Because of your empathy. Yeah, I was going to say, you're both empaths too. And we're like, like, and Athir and I have talked about this. I think for people who are empathetic and especially really do possess that empathic quality, people take advantage of that a lot and especially in a relationship because um, like I, I Athir knows this but I, I went to a sex therapist this year and I was like oh this will teach me how to like have better sex and instead she was like you've just been with like really abusive people and I was like oh okay never mind mm. this is a different lesson but a lot of her like her lessons were around empathy and like being more empathetic towards yourself and like reserving your energy so you don't give it away to the worst type of people which i think we're really prone to doing not even realizing that we're doing it well one of the things that i learned because of that is you know what happens is i start getting obsessive about what he's doing so is he answering his emails is he going to work on time is he doing all this stuff i start you know you like for people who are with alcoholics they start checking on how much is he drinking when's he waking up is he doing well at work is he going to get fired and it's i learned that every time i'm asking myself is he doing that i will be asking myself am i doing that keeping the focus Mm -hmm. on myself Mm -hmm. so is he answering his emails well am i and then i started like my email has been on point ever since um and um it's, it's nerve-wracking because you're sharing this life and you have to make the decision, like, what's my part in this and how can I live my life and then see if this person fits in for real? And sometimes the answer is no, and that's heartbreaking. And it's a, it's a darkness for a while that you have to keep believing there's a light at the end. And I think the reason why people go back is because that darkness gets feels worse than the actual abuse for a while. So... It, it feels a little more comfortable going back to that. And if you can just kind of hold tight and get as much help as possible while that temptation to go back, while the heartache is in full swing, then the other side is so, so, so much more of a relief. But so much. Yeah. But you got to get through that. And it's, it's hard. It's the it's called the aftershock. It's, it's the trauma bonding and then the aftershock of the trauma bond. And it feels like you're going to die because you're, like, actually even hormonally bonded to this person. So that period of, like you said, that, that you got to go through the aftershock feels worse than the actual abuse. And you just feel like you – and then that's why a lot of people go back. And I after, like, reading about this and just kind of tying it back to some of my experiences, it's really made me so much more empathetic to – you know, everyone is so quick to judge and be like, why would you go back – why this person stay with this like abuser who's like physically abusive for example but there is just something that happens in your psyche and your hormonally and you become trauma bonded to this person and it's not that simple just like walk well for those who want to know why people go back if you want to compare it to your life maybe you're not being abused by your spouse but you keep going back to your parents you know how much people drink before they go back for christmas and during christmas and then they come back with trauma from that and people their parents tell them they're fat they're ugly they're never like you're why do you go back to your parents because they're parents they're your family this is my husband that's my family that's how families get created and we are taught to go back to our family no matter what they do so be careful of your speech in that like why do you don't talk to your mom she's family why don't you talk to your grandparents why didn't why don't you talk to your uncle well maybe my uncle touched me mine didn't but like why do you why do you go back because we're all craving family and closeness and community and it's very difficult to find that outside of what we were promised the family is supposed to be naturally but it's not it's not it's a bunch of secrets that and and we talk about this on keith and the girl i'm like you know our parents wouldn't want us to talk about how they raised us and and what things were like but my whole childhood they were saying how i have the best upbringing everybody would be jealous of you know the parents that i have so let me talk about it so what so what are we hiding so why can't i say what happened it's supposed to be the best thing in the world so it'll come out no worries 
And they were great in a lot of ways, but I get to say the not-so-great stuff, too. Yeah, and it's okay. I think, yeah. like, with immigrants, too, um, like, we've always just been taught to not, to, like, look at the best in our families or, like, not really criticize them. And I think that translates to relationships, at least for me, where I'm like, I can put up with everything. I've been putting up with, like, really terrible family situations at times. Like, I love my family, but there have been, like, really awful things that have happened. So it's like, you know, you, you just are taught from such a young age to put up with it, to deal with it. So that translates into your life. So I think that's that's an amazing point. I mean, one of the my brother and we're, you know, we're 25 years away from this now, but um, in high school attempted suicide and he didn't take enough pills. So he happened to wake up three days later or something like that. Um, and their their biggest response is don't tell anyone why he's in the hospital we're going to make something up. And I'm like, dude, that's my life too. I have to now hide that I'm going to a psychiatric ward for my brother that I, you know, I dropped out of college. Like I couldn't manage the different life that you're forcing me to. And, and why can't we say, why can't we say we'll get the actual help that we'll need if we say, so it's, it's just too much. That's abusive. That's not necessary. And it, it creates the opposite of peace. Yeah, we talked about this on the last episode too, about how, or one of the episodes, how our, like, it's so stigmatized to get help for, or even if you tell your family that you're going to therapy, then they just think that something's like severely wrong with you. And even, or what, as if like. They think you're telling on them. Yeah. They think you're. Yeah, it's like a yeah. reflection on them. <laughs> Which you, you are, are telling on them. Because <laughs> I did, I did. I was like, I have a lot of problems. <laughs> but what are you saying? You know, if it's. If, if nothing that they did is wrong, which is impossible for any human, if nothing that you did is wrong, then I'm telling on you in the nicest way then. Don't worry about it. What's the problem? What are you afraid that I'm going to say? Let's talk about it. Oh, you can't? You don't want to? Okay, bye. I got to talk to somebody else then. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was like, why did you go to a th therapist when you can talk to me? I'm like, you don't go to a bartender to get sober. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm like, uh, do you really? I'm like, your sessions one through five. No, <laughs> more than that. No, but I mean, no one, no one gets out of childhood unscathed, right? Like we're all fucked up by our parents, yeah, one way or the other. Oh, so much, and I think this quarantine is just be, being like, oh, remember this time in this grade? And I'm like, no, no, no. I have to like journal it and be healthier yeah. about this. Are you still doing your daily podcast during the quarantine? Yeah, we're recording um, a bunch. <laughs> uh, it, it was very awkward for me at first. We had, um, you know, each hour took like two or three hours because we had to figure out what the best technology is. And it really was a very difficult transition because, uh, you know, we, we do do an hour show that we put out five days a week, but that's the fun part and everything else around it is work and, you know, scheduling and doing, and, and I am fine with doing all of that work because I get to podcast, but now even the podcast was a lot of work and it's tough to like have that energy at first. And now it's, it's a little better. And I, I get to laugh and, and play with my friends, my co-hosts. It's really good. Yeah, I love your energy. I love your relationship with Keith, and it was so fun being on. And then you guys did like the twenty-four hour marathon, which I'm like, how, how on earth did you <laughs> stay? Did you do that? Because after like one day of podcasting, we're like, oh my god, it's so tiring. But it is helpful. To oh, be we're psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, we're crazy. That's ridiculous. You're like turbo every podcasters. Year, but every year, right before the twenty-four hour marathon, I'm like. Wait, what did I say I would do? Hold on. Uh, wait, can I still do this? You just like kind of panic right before and you're like, well, I promised and we raised money and uh, we scheduled this whole thing. So I guess we're doing it. Here we go. And it, it's yeah, and always I, a bunch of fun. I loved it. And I met your like diehard fans who flew in from, I forget, like Detroit or something to like come backstage and watch. And I was talking with them and I was like, this is the sweetest thing. This is so nice. They've been listening for like over 10 years or some people longer. And I mean, you've been doing podcasting before podcasting was a thing. So how did <laughs> like you and Keith like get started? 
Um, we met at an open mic in the Lower East Side. It's very artsy space. Um, it started above a brothel while the Lower East Side was still more like where you buy your drugs. But um, it was uh, it was this open mic at a place called Surf Reality every Sunday night. You got eight minutes, which was normal back then. Yeah. To do whatever oh, wow. you want. And when they say whatever you want... It is. We saw poets. We saw, you know, Jim Gaffigan used to go there, Mark Marin. Um, it was just a, an open mic that, you know, as people climb up, you start watching them on TV and stuff like that. But you also had um, this woman who was an artist, and she said, I'd like to draw you a painting. And she had the canvas on the floor. She got on her knees. She took down her pants. She put two fingers in her vagina. She painted with her period blood. And this was... Oh, my God! <laughs> Back when New York was New York. <laughs> yeah. It was stuff like that. It was like one guy ran out of, you know, he was like, I don't really know what to do today. And I'm like, okay, just get off stage. Nope. He decided he's going to drink his own urine. So we watched him pee and we watched him drink his own urine. <laughs> oh, my God. But then oh there was God. also... Oh, this it was so really fun, fun but, you know, It was hard to bring someone there. So if you were a friend maybe visiting or maybe you want to hang out and Sunday night is just where I'm going to be, I'd say, this is where I'm going. It could be the most boring bullshit you've ever seen, or it will be a magical night. There was always a joint being passed around. It was BYOB. Um, it was, it was this big guy I remember who was a bouncer. He's like six foot six, huge. He actually was a bouncer for clubs and he would read his poetry and his stories. And we'd all be like, holy, like, you know, complete with New York Italian accent, like then, but it was this beautiful stuff. I used to sing there and Keith was doing stand up there. And, um, I talked to him after his set one time. Uh, and I didn't know if like, it was okay to like him because he's got a very edgy sense of humor where I'm like, uh, did you just say that? And then the second thought is, did I just laugh at that? And then I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> That's confusing the best time. me. You're like, I should have laughed, but I, I am laughing. <laughs> yeah. And he's so funny. And then we actually started dating. Um, and then this technology came along and we were living with each other and we had a roommate, the roommate left. We turned that, uh, room into our first studio. So that's how it started. Oh, and I didn't, I didn't, I was singing. So he just wanted a co-host and that's why it's called Keith and the girl, because he was writing about me. And I said, just don't write Hemda because I'm working on my own thing and I don't need to be Googled. And they find your very open, very, he wasn't embarrassed to talk about his sex life, whether it's going right or wrong. He wasn't embarrassed to talk about his parents and figure shit out. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. And I, so that's why it was called Keith and the Girl. I was going to be sort of um, just the, th- the person that he bounces things off of. But man, podcasting, I was open. I was like, all right, here's all my stuff. You know, I'm not going to be shy about it anymore. I'm not going to be embarrassed. And it's so much more fun like that. It is. It's hard for us. Like we were talking, like it's hard to know because I still censor myself because I don't know like who's going to hear it or my, you know, and it's, I, I want to get to a place where I can just be completely free and open. But at the same time we have, I don't know. I, I still have that paranoia around being disowned. <laughs> I don't know. Not I true. did too. <laughs> I, I texted, I texted a theater like one night last week or two weeks ago. And I was like, are you ever afraid that people are going to listen to whatever? Just cause I had done a few podcasts and it was really open about like my experience, like with a sex therapist. And then all night long, I was like, oh my God, they're going to find it. My parents and the entire Pakistani community and they're going to disown me. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to know what like how you feel about certain things and if you can, if you feel, well, I had a, I had a tough time with it. I was as open as can be, but as I shed that, it was a lot easier to be funnier. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do remember there was a a point where, look, my parents aren't going to find podcasts. Most people weren't finding podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit in the clear. I mean, it's still on the internet. You could always Google my, just my first name and find everything I do. But my parents were clearly not doing that. Not everybody was on the internet. This was 15 years ago, 2005. So there was a point where now we got a book deal. And this book is going to be in regular places, which means their friends might find it. And I'm like, okay, I need to not have that smack them in the face. It was 
a relationship book about sex, about, you know, the things that they don't want their daughter to talk about in public, but I am. So I warn them and, um, uh, they don't want to hear it. it. They didn't really, I remember my dad after that, uh, I, I went to Israel and I was sitting with him and everyone went into the kitchen for a second. He's like, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, dad, I just, I just told you I got a book deal. We got an advance. Like nobody gets an advance. And he's like, so and I'm like, well, we're not, I don't, I don't know how to make you happy. So I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> That's it. Like if that's you the healthiest be, thing you can do really. Yeah. If you can't say congratulations yeah. to that, I don't know what I mean. I understand like not saying congratulations to me for a podcast award. You don't know what that is. You think the internet is just some air that we're throwing out into the wind and hoping somebody will pay us for fine. Be old before your time. That's on you. But if I'm going to tell you, I got a book deal. It's very clear. It's like saying you graduated college. It's like a very precise thing. And you actually say so what to my face then okay you're the best i'm the worst bye my mom's thing is always or my parents it's like it's only as it's like did you make money off of that like i'll be like really excited about something or a huge opportunity it's like how much they're paying you and then i remember one time it was like the biggest opportunity i had in comedy was getting paid like the most i'd ever paid and then my mom was like oh is that all i'm like are you fucking kidding me do you have any idea how many years <laughs> and how much work it took for me to like get to this point and you're like is that all and for me i was like this is a lot so i think part of it is like i don't think she was trying to put me down in any way but then part of it is like they don't know they don't know how to gauge like tell me something i understand like what year residency are you in i can i can my brain <laughs> yeah. can follow that i can't follow yeah. like what show you're doing or that you were on this but even if you were doing that like even if you were in residency and in med school they would have been like well there's so much more that it you doesn't. Could do. i don't think it ever ends I you have keeps one going kid, they're like, and, okay, yeah. when are you going to have a second? It's like, okay, can I just sew up this hole first? Oh, my God. <laughs> but my mom did that to me once in, a, in an even worse way. I remember in my 20s, I got this tour while I was singing, and it was, we're going into, we're on a tour bus, I'm getting paid, we're going into Canada, we're going across the United States, um, 30 days, about 25 shows in those 30 days, and I'm calling on a cell phone, when minutes counted, you paid for every minute you were on a cell phone. I called my mom because I was supposed to. And I was like, yeah, I'm on this tour bus, whatever. And she goes, when are you going to get married and have babies? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> get off the my phone. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and then when, when I, when I got there, to, we had a... We had a show in New York and I'm, and she's like, let me, it was Irving Plaza. It was a big deal. And, um, and she goes, I want to come. And I go, no, no, because every move I make on stage, my belly button is showing. If that's happening, that's a thing. And you're going to talk to me about it. If I, mm -hmm. they think it's for whores, what I do. Like yeah. they think it's, you're not supposed to be entertaining people. That's like low, disgusting. Everyone's picturing you naked. And I'm like, yeah. can you not picture me naked? Can we just talk like this is a thing? So I didn't want that in the atmosphere. So I said, no, you can't come. Mm -hmm. You don't want to come. Wow. I am going to wear a belly shirt. I am going to, you know, sway my hips. I mean, come on. This is like when Elvis first came out and it's like they wouldn't show him from hip down because it's too sexual. Stop. <laughs> 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 yeah well i my my parents or my mom i don't even know if my dad has any idea what i do but my mom keeps asking me what a podcast is and what i'm doing in a year and i'm like please don't find it do you think she's listening i think she has a cup on the other side right of the now door right you're now. like a... <laughs> hey mom we're recording you don't need the cup yeah <laughs> just old school. that's her her version of podcasting um but yeah <laughs> So we have um, one last segment, Hamda, that we like to play called Keeping Up with the Caucasians. So this is a segment where <laughs> we talk about things that white people do and whether we as people of color and, um, you know, non-whites, I guess. I don't count you as white. Do you count as white? We'll find out. <laughs> this is the test. This is like a cosmic test. This is test. a test. Um, but actually very scientific. So we've got some categories of things that you can choose from. We have food or beverage, pop culture or TV, 
uh, music, activities, style or clothes, phrases or sayings, and miscellaneous. Oh, I want all of them, but we could <laughs> because do a I'm couple. so curious. Yeah, but I do. I do think food and drink is might be a thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Cottage cheese. How do we feel about it? <laughs> what is that even? I don't know what mayonnaise is. I don't know what cottage yes. cheese is. I don't know what your potato salads are, your macaroni salads. That's on there, I, too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it's a salad. I don't know what qualifies a salad for you people. I don't... I, I, I don't... What is happening? I have what no idea. cheese? It's like I the think curds, so. right? Of tea, like, of the... I don't know. Honestly, I try to like it because it's supposed to be healthy, and I tried it once because it's high in protein, and... I was like, I can't, I can't look at it. It's gross. It's just like clumpy. Like, and I love cheese, but that to me is not cheese. Look, face is hilarious right now. It's just like, <laughs> kind of like vomit. Have you ever tried it? No, I'm going to pass. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hard pass. No. So I get what I sound like. No, no. I'm just, no. no, no. That's, you pass harder than us then on the, keeping up with the Caucasians. <laughs> I, I've tried it. I tried to like it. For its nutritional value and not worth it. I'm sorry. I refused to try it because I thought it was like a trendy thing. You've never tried? No, because I think everyone was like guilting me into it. And I thought that was like annoying and obnoxious. So I was like, I'm just not going to do it now. Oh, you rebelled against it. That's funny. I did. I did (laughs) rebel against it. (laughs) Fight the power. So you both passed. I kind of failed, but I also didn't like it. (laughs) This is it. The grading system. Okay, so we've got, let's see, we'll do, is there another category? we got pop culture, TV, <laughs> music, activities, style or clothes, phrases or sayings, and miscellaneous. I'm curious about the phrases or sayings. Have you ever used the phrase reverse racism? <laughs> For, uh, I don't think sincerely. <laughs> like, maybe, hey, maybe you think that's reverse racism, but... <laughs> I don't, reverse racism is, what is that even? I don't, you know. I've been only, I've only heard it from a white person telling me that they think that they have been reversed racist, racist against. Does that make sense? Like someone's racist against them and because they're white, that's reverse racism. Yeah, that's the only time I've heard it is from white people. But it's such a, it's such a throne to stand on. So regular racism is for everybody else. Reverse racism <laughs> is for you, but really everybody right. can re- be racist. Why is it reverse racist? Because right. you're the baseline race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. That's why it's inherently race, uh, inherently racist. I think to even use that. Yeah, you, you can't. As reverse. Reverse racism. racism is not racist. It, like, what's the math on that? You reverse the racism. It doesn't it's make not, sense. No, unless you consider, you yeah. know how it's in reverse, right? Yeah, like you, you know said. how we say, um, yeah, they're, they're this guy's line. walking down the street. This mostly people won't say a white guy was walking down the street, but if it's any other race, they'll throw the race in. And sometimes, yes, you can say my race, their race, if it has something to do with it. Like we're not, I'm not trying to take away people's culture and background and identifying features, you know, but. Um, have a reason for saying that, not just this other came down the block. That's all. Yes. Or if it's like a white guy on a show with like, you know, other like people of color, brown comic, black and brown comics, and or they don't get on. I've heard a lot of white guys complain about not getting on stuff because like they, because they think we're just like the diversity part of the show. Like we're a diversity hire. It's so such- like... I think in that situation, someone could say, oh, it's reverse racism. Yeah, which they do. And it's insane. <laughs> they do, most, yeah. I've heard it. Yeah, but most I, writers' yeah. rooms are still white people. So I don't really get... But also, like, giving opportunity that you expect. Like, they, if you expect to have this opportunity, but don't expect these other people to have opportunity, and that's why you're calling it some sort of weird hire, then you expect that spot... You always expect that spot because you've always been given that spot. And now that it's not even your spot getting taken away, 
maybe this person is funnier than you, but somebody's even given an opportunity to take what is quote your spot is, is very elitist. What spot do we have? Why is it your spot? That's true. It's inherently, you know, entitled to even think that way. Yeah. And that's fine. Just, you know, there are entitled positions as a woman. I'm entitled in some places. And as a woman, I'm not entitled in some places. It's not about like, we don't walk around with meters on top of us. Like we're, you know, game boy characters like, Oh, I have this level of, of, mm-hmm. of privilege. But you just have to, like, accept. I have privilege that you don't. You have privilege that I don't. Some people have a lot less privilege than other people. And all people are asking you to do is say, like, that exists. Now we move forward. Just don't fight me on things that are actually going on and historically have gotten us to here. Don't use reverse racism, please. Don't say that. Yes. Oh my God, that's Thanks. so perfect! Thank you so much. If you're if you're white and you're listening, this is what you need to hear. Yeah, <laughs> don't come up with another term either. That's just a bad idea. Um, Kemda, thank you so much. Ooh, that's true. That's true. Well, is there anything that you want to plug for the listeners? I would love for people to listen to our podcast, Keith and the Girl. Keith and the Girl is on every platform. We have also KeithandTheGirl.com, and we have a Keith and the Girl app for our shows as well so whichever way you get your podcast whichever way is comfortable for you please look for keith and the girl on any social media and any podcast platform and the book what's it called oh uh (laughs) that was like 10 years ago um (laughs) it's called what do we do now and um it's a it's the subtitle which the agent insisted on having us the the publisher insisted on having is smart answers for your stupid relationship questions (laughs) oh that's perfect i love that thank you so much and follow us follow me at ethereyaku follow at mama sardar yeah follow at no fly list pod and thank you guys for listening thanks for having me